Hallelujah. Well, Joe and I have just returned from Australia, where we had some exciting meetings everywhere we went. God was just absolutely showing out. We had a wonderful time. Glad to be back home. Got a few days at home, and now I'm headed for the UK with Brother Copeland tomorrow. And let there be light. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. So as I was saying, I leave tomorrow for uh, England to do a victory campaign with Brother Copeland. So keep us in your prayers. I'm telling you, I have traveled the world this year. All over Africa, all over England, Ireland, France, Australia. Now back to England. My goodness. Did anybody miss me? Okay, thank you. Praise God. Well, it's good to be back home for a day or two. Open your Bibles, if you will, this morning to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. In talking about the maximum and the highest level attainable. I had the Lord say just a few days ago that experiencing the maximum and the highest level attainable means no more limits and no more boundaries. No more limits and no more boundaries. Look at somebody and tell them that. No more limits and no more boundaries. Now, the Bible tells us from the writings of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 and verse 12, the latter part of that verse says that we are to walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. He's our example. To walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. Well, in order to do that, obviously, you've got to study the life of Abraham. See how he walked in faith. The Amplified Bible says, walk in the way of faith, which our father Abraham walked. Walk in the way of faith, which our father Abraham walked. Verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. The message translation says, he was sure that God would make good on what he had said. So if we're going to walk in the the steps of the faith of our father Abraham or walk in the way of faith as our father Abraham, then we have to become persuaded and confident that he will do what he said he would do. And what has he told us this year? That it's the year of the maximum and the highest level attainable. Let me ask you this. Does this describe your attitude about what God has promised, that you're fully persuaded, you're confident that God will do what he has promised? Does that describe your attitude? Let me ask you another question. How many of you are already experiencing blessings and breakthroughs at a higher level than you've ever experienced before? All right. Praise God. Well, there's still time for the rest of you. Amen. So just keep at it. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't turn back. Just stay in faith and watch what God will do. 
walk in the same manner of faith that Abraham walked in. Now, once again, I heard the Holy Spirit say, to, to experience the maximum or to live in the maximum means no more limits and no more boundaries. This is what the faith walk of Abraham included. Let's go back and study his walk for just a moment. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. In order to walk in the same manner of faith that Abraham walked in, then you need to study his life. And I know that most of you have, but it doesn't hurt to go back and review. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of that country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. In obedience, Abraham left his previous lifestyle and began this brand new walk with God. Never had experienced this this way of life before. It's all new to him. I understand that. 1969, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, I began a brand new way of living. A life that I had never lived before. A life that I didn't even know was possible. But as I surrendered my life to the Lord and began to study the word, and particularly learning the life of faith and how to walk in it, then my life became totally different than anything I'd ever experienced before. And I've been doing that now for 54 years. And praise God, I wouldn't dare go back for any amount of money in the world. How many of you would say the same thing? I like living by faith. Notice I said that with a smile and enthusiasm. I hear a lot of people say, I live by faith. Pray for me. Some people say, I live by faith. Oh, dear God. I just hope it works out. Now, I say I live by faith with a smile on my face. Amen. Enthusiasm. Because it works. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I like living in victory. Anybody else like living in victory? Well, I don't know any other way to get there except by faith. Amen. Now, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14, God says to him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art. That's one of the things that you have to do when you are determined to see God's fulfillment of what he has promised us regarding the maximum and the highest level attainable. You have to look up from where you are right now. Look at where you're living at this very moment and ask yourself, is this where I want to remain? Or do you have desire to go higher and to go further? Anybody want to go higher? Anybody want to go further? Well, the first thing you do is you look at where you are right now and say, there is something better than what I'm living. And even though you might be living a good life now, there's always a better. There's always a higher. There's always an opportunity to go further. Praise God. Amen. No matter how good your life is right now, it can be gooder. (laughs) 
It can be better, praise God. And no matter how terrible your life might be right now, if that's the way your life is described, then obviously there is potential for a better life. Amen. So take a look at where you are right now. That's what God sold Abraham. Take a look at where you are right now, this very moment. And then look beyond where you are right now and see something better on the horizon. And that better is the maximum, the highest level attainable. That's, that's what we're going for this year. And I'm determined, even though I'm experiencing it to a degree right now, I'm, I'm determined to take it to its highest level, praise God. Amen. It's been a good year for me so far. In fact, ever since 2020, since March of 2020, when our world drastically changed and the, most of the world was screaming, worst of times, worst of times, I have experienced my best of times. Our ministry has experienced its best of times. Amen. And, and I'm liking it, so I don't want to go back to where I was. I want to just keep going higher and further. Can you say amen? We've been able to give more. We've been able to do more. We've been able to help more people. Uh, been able to reach more places with the uncompromising word of God. And it's been better. And in the natural, it shouldn't have been better with all the chaos and all the disorder. But I didn't focus on that. I stayed focused on what God promised. And praise God, I'm experiencing the benefit of it. Amen. Amen. But... I believe even though I'm enjoying a good life, uh, a very, very uh, blessed life right now, I believe there's even something better on the horizon. Amen. There's always another level with God. How many of you are going to go there? Praise God. So notice the first thing God told him to do was look from where you are at this moment and see there's something better. If you are truly serious about walking in the same manner of faith as Abraham did, then take a look at where you are right now, once again, and ask yourself, is this where I want to remain? If not, then determine that you're going to stay focused on what God says can be. And the can be is the maximum, the highest level attainable. Amen? If you want to go higher then fix your eyes on what God has promised us. God told Abraham in verse 15, if he would do this, then all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. In other words, if you can see it, then you can have it. If you can see it, then you can have it. How many of you can see life on a higher level? Amen. Amen. If you can't see life on a higher level, then spend more quality time with God. Spend more quality time in the Word. Go look up lives that that are revealed in the Bible of how they did this. Uh, Read Hebrews chapter 11, what we call the Hall of Fame of Faith folks. (laughs) Read, Read Hebrews 11 again and look at how they, through faith, by faith, with faith, conquered, overcame experience greater things than they'd ever imagined before. And the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. So if their faith did for them what it did, 
that our faith can do for us what God promises us. Can you say amen? And I'm determined in the name of Jesus that even though life is good right now, but I believe it can be even better than what I'm experiencing. And I believe the same for you as well. So all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it to thy seed forever. So once again, if you can see it, then you can have it. And how much land did God say he would give Abraham? All. A-L-L. All. That means no limits, no boundaries. No limits, no boundaries. Say it with me. No limits and no boundaries. Praise God. Verse 17 says, Arise, walk through this land in the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. So notice, it's not enough just to be able to see it through the eye of faith. At some point, you got to get up and go for it. Amen. Faith without corresponding actions is void of power, according to James chapter 2. So it's one thing to be able to see it through the eye of faith, but then you have to, you have to get in motion. You have to go for it. Put some action to it. Amen. Somebody said, well, where do I start? Well, what I always do, the first thing I do is I sow seed toward it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. When, when the Lord said this to me uh, back in October of last year, about 2023 being the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable, the first thing I did was I stand up and I say, Lord, I receive that. I mix my faith with, with it and I believe that it's going to profit me. And the next thing I did is sow seed toward it. Amen. That's one of the ways I can, I can put corresponding actions to my faith. Are you still here? And I, I didn't just sow one time. I'm continually sowing and I'm sowing right now. In fact, just a couple of days ago, uh, I, I, I sowed a, a major seed. Believing that even though God has taken us this far, I believe he wants to take us further. So I'm sowing seed for the further, praise God, for the higher. Amen. So don't ever stop sowing seed. That's one of the ways that you demonstrate your complete and total trust in God's ability to make things happen for you. So arise and walk through this land in the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Again, God is saying no limits and no boundaries. The message translation says, own your feet and get moving. (laughs) Get moving. In other words, go for it. Now, later God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 6, what we're doing, we're, we're looking at the life of faith of Abraham. Because the Bible says, once again in Romans 4, we are to walk in that same way of faith as Abraham walked. Genesis 17, 6, God tells him, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. Not only did this mean in descendants, but also in every area of his life. Exceeding fruitful. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, it says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Notice, not just in descendants. But in every way, the message translation says, God blessed him in every way. He took him to the maximum. 
No limits and no boundaries, praise God. This is exactly what God desires for do, to do for each and every one of us. Because we are the descendants of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. This is all familiar to you, but it doesn't hurt to review. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That just simply means if you have received Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then you are now the seed and the descendant of Abraham. Can you say amen? Amen. In verse 9 it says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And then verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And then verse 29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what is God telling us through the writings of the Apostle Paul? We are entitled to, if we walk in the same steps of faith that Abraham walked in, then we are entitled to experience what he experienced. And what did he experience? No limits, no boundaries, praise God. God took him as high as his faith would allow. And God will take you as high as your faith will allow. Can you say amen? So if what Paul is telling us here in Galatians chapter 3 is true, and we know it is, then we're entitled to live just like our father Abraham, a life with no limits and a life with no boundaries. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 28, you're all familiar with it, but I'll say it again, it doesn't hurt to review. And look what we're entitled to as the seed of Abraham. Verse 2, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Look at somebody and tell them, All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Verse 3 says, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Now, most of us don't have sheep. Most of us don't have cattle. But my dog is blessed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. How many of you have a dog and that dog is blessed? <laughs> Amen. My dog thinks every time somebody comes outside, it means time to feed him again. <laughs> Terry. He, my, my dog loves Terry almost as much as he loves me because every time she comes to the house, she brings a snack, you know, he waits at the fence with his tail waggling when he sees Terry coming. He's a blessed dog. <laughs> Amen. So I don't have cattle. I used to, but I don't have cattle anymore. And they were blessed when I had them and I don't have horses anymore. But when they, I had horses, they were blessed. I've never had sheep. But if I had sheep, they'd be blessed sheep. (laughs) Amen. So notice this is part of the blessing of Abraham. It says uh, in verse 5, Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. That sounds like no limits, no boundaries. Amen. Amen. 
For the Lord shall cause uh, thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses in all that thou settest thy hand unto. No limits, no boundaries. All that you set your hand to do, he will bless it. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God swear unto thee. And the Lord shall establish thee as a holy people unto himself and so forth. So notice in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings of Abraham just simply are revealing to us that there are no limits and no boundaries to where God will take us. That sounds like the maximum. And I'm the seed of Abraham and praise God. I believe I'm entitled to the same thing that Abraham was entitled to. And so therefore I'm going for it. I'm not turning back and I'm going to experience it in in even a higher way than I'm experiencing it right now. Amen. Amen. So once again, this all begins with your ability to see it before you experience it. Amen. Just close your eyes for just a moment. And see yourself living blessed in every way. See, everything you set your hand to do is blessed. Don't see yourself failing anymore. Don't see yourself just barely existing anymore. Don't see yourself just barely getting by anymore. See yourself blessed coming in, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. You can open your eyes now. That's the reason why we we had these doormats made where on one side it says, I'm blessed coming in. And when you come out, it says on the other side, and I'm blessed going out. I have them all over my house. I have them in my shop. I have them in my museum. I, I have them everywhere. Why? So I can see it. So it creates a vision on the inside of me. Keeps me focused, praise God. And every time I wear one of those mats out, I get a new one, praise God. Just just keep the vision before me. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I like when I open the door to my museum. The first thing I see on the floor is I'm blessed coming in. Then I look up and see everything in there and I think, boy, am I blessed. I went out there this morning just to look. I just opened the door and looked and shut it real quick. I thought, boy, am I blessed. Boy, am I blessed. Everything in there is paid for. Most men would like to have one of those items. I got a museum full of them. I'm blessed coming in. Then when I shut the door, when I started out the door, it said, I'm blessed going out. I keep that vision before me all the time. If you don't have one of those doormats, get it. You need to keep the vision before you. It helps you stay focused on what God is promising. And what is God telling us? It's time for the maximum. It's time to go to the highest level attainable. And you're not going to get there focusing on CNN. Amen. So keep your eyes on what God is saying. 
So let me ask you a question. Can you see yourself today living a life with no limits and no boundaries? No matter how you've lived in the past, it's time to do what the Apostle Paul told us to do in the book of Ephesians. Let's go there very quickly. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13, the latter part of the verse says, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And the next verse says, I press. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting how you've lived your life in the past. Don't, don't try to bring that into the present. And don't let it hinder the future. Forgetting those things which are behind. And realizing there's something better that God has ready for you that's in your future. So keep your eyes focused on that. The word press means the act of stretching forward with urgency. This is how uh, the book of Hebrews describes the Old Testament patriarchs and their attitude about the promises of God. Hebrews 11 verse 13 said, having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. They could see the promises afar off and they embraced them and they were persuaded of them. One commentary says they were looking for something better and were willing to pursue it with everything that was in them. And they pressed, like Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 35 from the Amplified in Hebrews 11 says, they became stalwart. Stalwart means loyal in their faith and unwilling to back down no matter what. Are you stalwart in your faith today? Loyal to what God's word says, no matter what's happening around you? Unwilling to back down no matter what? Looking back at what Paul said in Philippians 3, the message translation says, I've got my eyes on the goal I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. My goal is to live in the maximum. No limits and no boundaries. And if you're willing to press for it, then God will make it happen for you, no matter who you are, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your background, no matter what your family was like, no matter how you were raised, God will make it happen for you. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. The Passion Translation says, I forget the past as I fasten my heart on the future. I forget the past as I fasten my heart on the future. And I press. Pushing past your previous limitations. Amen. I've always enjoyed reading about people not only in the Bible, but in the secular world. I've always enjoyed reading about people who just wouldn't accept the status quo and people that, that were determined that they were not going to allow uh, their backgrounds or the color of their skin or how they were raised to keep them from pursuing what they believed God wanted them to have Amen. and God wanted them to do. I remember when I was a young boy living in Shreveport, Louisiana, 
uh, back in the 50s, a bunch of us boys would be out in the backyard. We, we lived on a, uh, a country road, and uh, most everybody had at least an acre of ground. And, and a lot of us uh, young boys, we'd go to one another's yard to play football or baseball, and, and we'd get a whole gang of guys, and most of the time they'd wind up in our backyard. And, and we'd, we'd be out there playing football and baseball or whatever, and all of a sudden, we'd hear this loud noise, just boom. And none of us knew what it was. And boy, it'd stop you in your tracks. I don't care what you were doing. It'd just stop you immediately. And uh, we didn't know what it was. And it, it, it began to happen more and more frequently. And we found out that uh, because there was an Air Force base, Barksdale Air Force Base, near Shreveport in Bossier City, and it was the Strategic Air Command, that somebody was breaking the sound barrier. And that's what that sonic boom was all about. How many of you remember in the 50s hearing the, that sonic boom? And boy, it happened frequently. And then, then we'd get out in the backyard and we just sat and wait for it. And boy, that, that thing would go off and then we realized somebody just broke the sound barrier again. But it was not the first time it had been broken. It actually was broken in 1947 by Captain Chuck Yeager. And Chuck Yeager had been a, 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 a test pilot and one of the best in his day. And he was selected to fly the Bell X-1 in an attempt to break the sound barrier, Mach 1. And he tried, and some of you may have seen the movie The Right Stuff. It depicts this, and it's one of my favorite movies. And, uh, and he tried, and, and you know... The airplane almost come apart when it was trying to reach that, that milestone. And, uh, but eventually he broke the sound barrier. He did Mach 1.06 in October of 1947. And then after that, others began to break it quite frequently. I had the privilege of meeting Colonel Chuck Yeager by this time in 1986 at the Indy 500. Every year they would... Uh, bring in a celebrity to drive the pace car. And uh, the uh, Marion County, Indiana Sheriff's Department had made me an honorary deputy sheriff. And so I would get to go to the Indy 500 and uh, the, the Sheriff's Department would pick me up at the airport and take me to the 500 and allow me to be in the, the garage area before the race, meet drivers. In fact, I've got pictures of me putting fuel in Mario Andretti's car I got to spend time in the garage with A.J. Foyt and, and got to meet a lot of the drivers. And uh, every year when I would go, they would, they would add something to what I got to do that I didn't get to do the year before. I mean, one year they allowed me to, uh, to get in one of the previous uh, cars, uh, a winning car from one of the previous Indy 500s. And one year they put me in... Uh, I think it was a 1927 automobile and towed me to Gasoline Alley. And I knew that the pace driver uh, or the guy that's going to drive the pace car that year was going to be Jay Leno. And so I'm, I'm being pulled up there in this 1927 Indy racer that had won the race that year. And Jay Leno is standing there in the pit area. And when they come to a stop, Jay Leno walks over to me and he says, is this the car I'm supposed to drive today? 
I said, I'm in it. He said, uh, I thought this was the car I'm supposed to drive. I said, well, I don't know about that, but I'm in it now. Now, I knew he was supposed to drive it, but I just, I thought, well, he's a comedian. I'll, I'll work with him, you know. Because sometimes I can be a comedian, you know. And so I just kept pulling his leg, so to speak. And he said, well, they sure, they, I thought this is the car I'm supposed to. I said, it is. They allowed me to drive it or be towed in it uh, to, the, to the pit area. And uh, this is the car you're going to get to drive a lap around. And then they're going to put you in the pace car. And so that kind of struck up a, a, a limited relationship. But he did invite me to come and see his his classic car collection, which he has about 200 in his classic car collection. I never have gone to do it, but but uh, would like to sometime. But anyway, every year they would they would add something to this uh, that I didn't get to do the year before. And so this one particular year, Colonel Chuck Yeager was the pace car driver, and I got to meet him, got to spend a, a limited time with him. And I asked him, I said, uh, driving 200 miles an hour about, around in the Indy 500 racetrack probably seemed real slow to you, didn't it? He said, yes, but it was fun. I like speed of any kind. And so, you know, he's used to going Mach 1. And now he's limited to 200 miles an hour. Poor thing. Only 200 miles an hour. But he broke the sound barrier back in 1947. And once again, as, as young boys, we could hardly wait to hear that sonic boom go off because we knew somebody else just broke the sound barrier. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but I too have broken the sound barrier. Go ahead and touch me, Kenny. It'll be all right. <laughs> How did you do that, Brother Jerry? I flew the Concorde. No, I flew in it. I didn't fly it. I flew in it. I was coming back from Kenya one time, Nairobi, and uh, when I got to London Heathrow, I still had an eight-hour layover before I could fly to JFK, and then a four-hour layover before I could fly from JFK to DFW. So when I got to London Heathrow, I'm walking down the terminal, and I saw this Concorde off to the right. And I stopped at the gate, and I said, where's that Concorde going? They said, JFK. I said, when's it leaving? In about 30 minutes. I said, you got a seat left? Got one seat. I said, can I change my ticket uh, to get on this? They said, well, it'll cost you some more. I said, I'm willing to pay. I want to I fly the Concorde. So I got to sit in the bulkhead, the first seat. And they have a mock meter in the bulkhead. And so I'm sitting there. And when they took off, uh, we were flying, reaching an altitude of 60,000 feet. And uh, eventually the captain came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to break the sound barrier. I'm going to kick on the afterburner and you might feel a slight jerk. I forgot there were, there were other people on this plane. And I said, jerker, man, jerker. <laughs> then I realized I'm not in my own airplane. You know, and there's other people around here. And boy, there was that slight jerk. And then we went on up and broke the sound barrier. In fact, we flew at 60,000 feet, 1,374 miles per hour. Mach 2. Mach 2. 
when I, when we got to JFK and then I caught a flight on into DFW, I was home in bed before my original flight left London Heathrow. (laughs) The time that it cuts in a 747, which I had been scheduled to fly, a 747 would take at least nine hours to get back to JFK. The Concorde, three hours. I could hardly wait to get home and call Kenneth Copeland. (laughs) I called, I said, Brother Copeland, guess what? He said, what? I said, I broke the sound barrier. He said, what? I said, I broke the sound barrier. He said, how? I said, I flew the Concorde. He said, I've been wanting to fly that. I said, well, we're all going to be in uh, uh, South Africa here not too many months from now. And uh, then I think we were going to Paris after that. And I said, let's see if we can book the Concorde uh, on the way home. And so we did. And it hit Brother Copeland just like it hit me. <laughs> we broke that sound barrier. Mach 2. Oh, man. It took a week to get my hair to lay down again. <laughs> Mach 2. Now, when Carol and I first married... Of course, I I grew up on racetracks. My dad raced, and I was always into speed. And once again, I'm talking horsepower, not drugs, okay? I don't know anything about that kind of speed. You'd have to ask Jesse DePlantis about that. As I've said before, Jesse took trips all over the world and never left his living room on speed. But anyway, uh, eventually, I was able to acquire a 65 GTO. And the 64 GTO is the car that started the muscle car era. So I had a 65 GTO. And that 65 GTO with three deuces and a four-speed, 389, it was capable of doing 100 miles an hour in about 15 seconds in a quarter mile. That was fast. I thought. That was fast. But I was privileged to watch Kenny Bernstein at the uh, Gator Nationals in Florida go a hundred and a quarter mile, 301 miles per hour. He broke a barrier. Nobody had ever done that before. 301 miles an hour in a quarter mile. And if you had been standing there and you, you took your ear protection off, the sound of that engine, your heart pounded. And you put the ear protection back on just as quick as you could. 301 miles per hour. They broke the barrier. And since then, they break it nearly every drag race. Or they do that amount, 300 miles an hour. That's, that's nothing now today. It seems like every time a barrier is broken, then others come right behind it and just keep on breaking it. God has called you and I to be barrier breakers. I remember one time my dad told me, and I've shared this with you before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again myself. My dad told me that I had a, a great aunt in Florida that I had never met. And he, he called her an old maid school teacher. She never had married. She was a seven-day Adventist school teacher. And uh, 
she told my dad, she said uh, she was way up in age and she felt like she was about to go home and be with the Lord. She told my dad, I'd like to meet Jerry before I, before I go home. So dad told me about it and, and it took us a while to arrange for us to be able to meet her. And she said to me, Jerry, the reason I wanted to meet you, my dad had, had been sending her my books and back then, you know, cassette tapes and so forth. And uh, he said, uh, she wants to meet you and she has something to tell you. And so when I got to meet her, she said, the reason I wanted to meet you before I went home to be with the Lord is because I wanted to tell you, I have studied the family tree from as far back as I can trace it. And she said, to my knowledge, there's never been a Savelle who lives like you. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, just by what I've heard and what I've done in research, nobody's ever lived like you do in this family. I said, well, why not? She said, because they didn't know what you know. I thought that was interesting. I broke a barrier. Nobody had lived on my dad's side of the family like I live today because she said, they didn't know what I knew. Well, the truth will set you free, praise God. When you, when you know the truth, you, you get free from limitations. Can you say amen? amen. I remember when I was, uh, uh, shortly after Carol and I married, uh, I was going to college at night. I was working, doing paint and body work in the day. And uh, a friend of mine was in the National Guard. And I wanted to serve my country, but, you know, Carol and I are married. Uh, wasn't too long after that, she became uh, expectant with Jerry Ann. And so a friend of mine who was in the National Guard, he said, uh, we've got a, they've got an opening for about 10 guys. If you want to serve, come on down to the uh, base and see if they select you. So I did, and they, they recruited me right then, and I took an oath and so forth, and I was in the National Guard. They told me that I probably would not go to basic training for about six months. But our unit got called up. This is during the Vietnam War. And our unit got called up, so they sent me to basic training just a few weeks after I joined. And so while I'm in basic training, Carolyn is now expecting Jerry Ann and uh, she, they sent me there to Fort Dix, New Jersey in July of 1968. And uh, Jerry Ann was born in August of 68. So I'm in basic training when Carolyn's giving birth to Jerry Ann. Now, I was not supposed to be able to come home because our unit, we were told, is probably going to get shipped out to Vietnam. Now, Carolyn's back home praying that that, that wouldn't happen. So I went through basic training, then I went through AIT, and our unit was designated a 4.2 mortar platoon. And so that's what I was trained in. So we had to go to the range and, and, and fire the 4.2 mortars. You had, to, you had to take a written exam. You had to uh, be a forward observer. Then you had to be a gunner, and you, you were tested on all of this. Well, we went through all those tests, and then afterwards, 
I'm, I'm in the barracks on KP duty and I'm down in the, in the kitchen peeling potatoes. <laughs> I'm sitting on a bench with a couple other guys and we're peeling potatoes. And, uh, our sergeant came in and said, Savelle, uh, you're wanted at headquarters. I said, uh, what for, sir? He said, I don't know. They just want you there now. So I had to go up and get properly dressed, went to headquarters. They said, uh, son, did you know you've done something that hadn't been done on this base since World War II? I said, no, I didn't. I didn't know what you're talking about. They said, you maxed the written exam. You maxed the exam uh, on, in the, on, in the uh, uh, range as a forward observer. You maxed as a gunner. This hasn't been done since 1940-something. And said, uh, the company commander wants to see you and give you a, a, a special honor. And so I went to the headquarters commander. And he said, uh, we've arranged for a parade in your behalf. And they gave me a trophy. And he gave me a watch. And gave me a three-day pass. And I was supposed to only go a 150-mile radius. Well, I wanted to see Carolyn. I wanted to see Jerry Ann. I'd never seen him before. Jerry Ann's now three and a half months old. So I'm thinking, well, this would be my opportunity to go because we don't know if we're going to get sent to Vietnam or not. So I managed to get to Shreveport 1,500 miles away. And Carolyn didn't even know I was coming home. I just walked in the door. And surprise, here I am, you know, and uh, got to spend a couple of days with her. And then uh, I'm trying to get a flight back to, to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Couldn't get a flight. Couldn't get a flight to JFK or anywhere. So I had to go out to Barksdale Air Force Base and get on a, a troop plane and fly to McGuire Air Force Base and then take a bus down to Fort Dix, New Jersey and by the time I got back in, I'm late. I was supposed to, I was supposed to uh, sign in not past 10 p.m. that night. Well, I didn't get there until 11.30 or so. So I'm AWOL as far as they're concerned. And so uh, when I walked in, my sergeant was at the desk. He was on duty that night. He said, Savelle, you're AWOL. I said, yes. He said, well, is she pretty? I said, she's beautiful. He said, well, I've been seeing the pictures that your wife's been sending you in the locker. And uh, he said, I knew you'd probably go home and see your little girl. He said, uh, I had some children born while I was on active duty and I did the same thing. Go to bed. <laughs> so I didn't know that I had broken a barrier. I didn't know that I had maxed the exams. Well, you know, Maxing the exams or breaking barriers, I might say, is rewarding. I got a trophy, I got a parade, I got a watch, and I got a three-day pass. Amen. Amen. Just from, you know, maxing the exams. Well, you know, once, once you, you break a barrier and you experience the rewards of it, you want to do it again. Well, I've been breaking barriers ever since I've been a believer now. 
I was not supposed to be this far. Amen. I was not supposed to experience what I've experienced. And particularly five years ago when I had that stroke, they said, it's done, boy, you over. You'll never be normal again. But God. (laughs) Amen. But God. As far as he was concerned, I haven't finished breaking barriers yet. Amen. We're called to break barriers. We're, we're called to be different. We're called to go higher than the norm. Amen. Amen. So read the stories in the Bible of people who became stalwart. Hebrews 11. That's what that chapter's for is to inspire your faith. Watching people that in the natural were just like you and me, but they were given a promise and they were determined to fight for it. They were determined to go for it, no matter how impossible it might seem. And that's the example that God has given us by giving us these stories of these people. And then once again, you can even, you can even get inspired by reading uh, stories about secular people that just would not accept the status quo. Amen. So once again, when we follow after the footsteps or the steps of faith of our father Abraham, then that means that we can reach a place where there's no more limits and no more boundaries. And that's where God wants to take each and every one of us. Amen. So settle it in your heart once and for all that this is not where I want to remain. There's something better. There's something higher. There's something gooder. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want to stop right here. And um, I just felt impressed the Lord to do this. You hear a lot about these days, generational curses. And a lot, of, a lot of people feel like they're living under a generational curse. And there may be people in here who have felt that way. And I was just impressed the Lord to stop right now and pray for people who have sensed that the reason that you can't progress or go any further than what you've experienced is because you're under a generational curse. If that's you, come up here and let me pray for you. I was born in 1946 in Vicksburg, Mississippi, December the 24th. And my family was not upper class by any means. We were not even middle class. In fact, we were, we were born on a farm and my grandfather managed to raise crops. That's how he made it through the depression by selling crops to the market. My dad was born there, or he was raised there. Dad told me 
while he was in school that he was made fun of called white trash because of the poverty they lived in. The first house that when I, after I was born, the first house I remember in Vicksburg, I mean, we had a dirt road, um, didn't have indoor plumbing. The outhouse was in the chicken yard. <laughs> Crazy rooster jumped on me every time I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I finally cooked his goose one day. <laughs> I took my grandpa's twenty-two and shot him. <laughs> Grandpa said, son, you killed my rooster. I said, yeah, but every time I go to the bathroom, he jumps on my neck and pecks my head. He said, he won't be doing that anymore. (laughs) Then I was out in the outhouse one day and a snake crawled in there on me. I come back and I burned the outhouse down. (laughs) Grandpa said, son, you burned the outhouse down. I said, yeah, but the snake died in there too. (laughs) We were dirt poor, as they say. And then my dad's best friend, he moved to Shreveport, called my dad and said, J.W., you need to move to Shreveport. You can make more money here. Dad was working at the Studebaker dealership in Vicksburg, making about $38 a week. He said, move to Shreveport. You can make more money. Dad moved to Shreveport where he could make $49 a week. And life began to get better. Now, I'd always go back to the farm during the summer. I loved going, spending time on the farm with my grandparents. But my grandparents, I like to say it this way, even though God got them out of the depression, they never got the depression out of them. They still thought that way. My grandfather never trusted another bank as long as he lived. He buried his money all over the farm. When I found that out, I became a treasure hunter. (laughs) I found money buried all over that farm. And, uh, you know, they they just had a, a, a poverty mentality. But God had something better for me. I didn't realize it back then. I didn't realize my dad was being moved by the Holy Spirit to get us out of Vicksburg, to move us to Shreveport, eventually move us on the same street where Carolyn's folks already lived, where Carolyn lived. I didn't know God was arranging all of that. And then later when Carolyn and I married and Kenneth Copeland came to Shreveport and stayed in her mother and dad's home, God was rearranging all of that. Carolyn was trying to Get me to go to the meetings. I didn't want to go. Finally, she took me over to her mom and dad's house to meet Kenneth Copeland. I didn't want to meet Kenneth Copeland. I thought he's just another preacher. I thought the only reason they stay in these people's home is so they can mooch off of them. I sat over there and waited for Kenneth Copeland. I got tired of waiting on him. So I got up and started to walk out of the house. He come down the hall. My father-in-law said, uh, Brother Copeland, this is my son-in-law, Jerry Savelle. Brother Copeland went and turned and went to the kitchen got a glass of water. I thought, I've been waiting here all this time for that. 
So I got up and walked home. But I finally went to the last service and heard the word like I'd never heard it before. Changed my life. All of that was God rearranging my life so that I could become a barrier breaker. Amen. Amen. Of course, now the rest is history. But look what God did. Take this boy out of a dirt, poor farm existence, prosper him, and send him all over the world, teaching other people how to become winners in life. Amen. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. So stretch your hands out toward these folks and let's believe God that the generational curses will be broken off of their life today. They'll not be limited nor confined nor have any more boundaries that will hold them back in the name of Jesus. I came here this morning determined to preach when I should have stayed in bed. All this traveling, this last trip to Australia, I couldn't fly my own airplane, I had to fly commercial. And that last leg of the trip, breathing everybody else's air on that commercial airline, I've been fighting a cold and sore throat and If I'd have done what I wanted to do in the natural, I'd have just stayed in bed this morning. But I'm a barrier breaker. Hallelujah. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And healed men don't stay in bed all day. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, in the Obedience to the Holy Spirit. I lay my hands on each one of these people. And I'm believing in Jesus' name that generational curses will be broken this very moment. Will not confine, nor hinder, nor restrain them, not another minute of their existence. From this moment forward, they will be able to reach the maximum, the highest level attainable. And nothing in their past, nothing in their background, nothing in their families will ever hinder them again. Today is their day of freedom. Today is their day of freedom. Today is their day of freedom. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Father. Jesus' mighty name. The curse is broken. Now go on and be what God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. And have what God wants you to have. In Jesus' mighty name.